Welcome to the Weather of the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Doug Krish. I hope this audio communique finds you well today. I hope this audio communique finds you well today. I'm doing great. I'm psyched. Life is good. Living and learning. Feeling strong. Sleeping well. Working on some podcast episodes and letting you know what's coming in the future. Okay, this week we got, we're talking about 21 Up, the third installation of our, our winter documentary series. Coming up next week, we have in Weather of the Mind 25, that will be Elisa S. Keeler. That will be the second part of the interview with her. The first part was last week. Definitely worth checking out. It's getting really nice reviews. A lot of great thoughts exchanged during that conversation. And then April 12th, we're going to do uh, Weather of the Mind 26, and then we're going to go through the 28 up, the next installation of the documentary. And the week after that, I wanted to mention, April 17th is going to be, um, it's like a book club week. And the book I'm going to review on April 17th, you might want to check out at the library or order a copy of. It is called The Self-Driven Child. And the authors on that are Stixrud and Johnson. Stixrud and Johnson, the self-driven child. The introductory chapter is titled, Why a Sense of Control is Such a Big Deal. And the the key questions of this book are exploring how can we help uh, a child gain a sense of control over his life. Because basically, they theorize that a sense of control is the most important thing we can give a child. A sense of control and a sense of intrinsic motivation. So I like that book because it couples really well with this documentary film series as we're looking every seven years of the growth of these humans. So we got a lot of good things coming up. So then after April 17th, We're going to have another podcast, and I'm going to do two more on the documentary film series, but I'm going to combine um, the 35 up and the 42 up will be one session, and then two weeks later in early May, we'll have 49 up and 56 up. And if you followed along and watched them all in May, 63 up will be out as a new documentary in 2019. So we're working through the whole 7-Up series, the Up series, and this week we're going to talk about 21-Up. And like we said, with the 14-Up, when they were 7, the youngsters were viewed as little children. And the documentary filmmaker posited their theory that, give me a child at 7 and I'll give you the man. I'll give you the adult. So we're testing that theory out with these 14 kids from across England. And then we looked at 14 up where we saw these seven-year-olds now as 14-year-olds. And what was most striking was how shy and awkward a few of them were in epi- in that episode. 
And also seeing how much they followed course with who they were at seven. Now this 21 up is quite fascinating because now we're seeing these young adults. And it really brings in a question, was 14 the interim? Are these adults now at age 21? Or is adulthood come later in modern life? What defines adulthood? And how are these 21-year-olds doing? So before we get to that, we had a, a nice message roll in from JF in Vermont. So I want to play that clip. And on the website, you can drop us a note anytime. And you can drop us an audio message anytime. That's weatherofthemind.org. You'll find all the information about the coming episodes on there. So let's uh, listen to this uh, brief message. And then we're going to jump into today's meat and potatoes uh, discussion of 21 Up. Hey, this is JF here in the foothills of the Green Mountains. I just want to send along my gratitude to Doug and the Weather of the Mind podcast and movement. Just every every week I can tune in and learn. And I just feel the company, uh, the quality of the company is present and, and really encouraging for whatever task I'm setting about for that day and for the weeks ahead. Uh, and I, I really enjoy how this season is weaving in biography and what it means to study biography and to think about our own biography in action. And the slices of life of this 7-Up series are really precious. I want to say hey to all fellow listeners and uh, give thanks to Doug uh, for living and learning. And let's keep it up. Thanks so much. Appreciate the message, JF. Thanks for calling in. And now back to the show. So one of the things that struck me with 21 Up is two of our characters spoke very highly of their foundation or having a strong foundation or a strong home. And other characters seem to not have a strong home or a foundational place. And when you think about a healthy life, one simple way to think about is having a strong foundation and having a strong mission or vocation. So knowing where you're from and knowing where you want to go. This is perhaps one simple way of seeing a foundation to a healthy life. So here are here is a clip of Tony. Tony was he's our little jockey and he is very much a product of a very provincial East End neighborhood. And he's basically talking about why he feels at home and very much rooted in the East End in this clip. Tell me about the family. I mean, are you fairly closely knit? Well, I love them all. There's not one I don't love more than another, other than my mum, obviously. But your mum is the root of the sort of tree. You love your mum best. So what do you like about living in the East End? It's very sort of real. There's nothing false. I need a police. <laughs> I'm firmly placed, and there's no way I can see getting out. I wouldn't want to get out, really. It's very hard to make it in the East End because your roots are firmly stuck in the ground. You've got to have a big hard pull to get them out. And now I'd like to compare that with Nicholas of the Dales. Nicholas was the young 
boy who was in the one-room schoolhouse and living in the country with only his little brother. Now, he is talking, they asked him about, you know, what you learned from living on the farm. And he speaks to the foundation and sense of place he got from living on the farm. So here's a clip of that. Are there any disadvantages in coming from a small place like this and preparing yourself for Oxford? Well, it's a rather different background to go anywhere, Oxford, perhaps especially. It is uh, rather more firm foundation, I would have thought, as to your character, I don't know, perhaps character, than being brought up in a city. It's a fixed reference point, in a sense, the sort of earthy life-and-death cycle that you get living on a farm. So when something dies, it <coughs> rots and feeds back into the earth. Sometimes it's helpful in a city where things that some people are very concerned about seem quite irrelevant. Is there any strength of your father as a farmer that do you think was transmitted to you? Well, you get a certain sort of calmness in some situations, you know, take things as they come, you become resigned to things. One brainstorm we could take from this podcast, uh, from this documentary and this podcast is we're reflecting on foundation and giving a strong sense of place. What did that look like for us? How did that work out for us as children? How did it work out for our parents? How can it work out for our children? What is core to this sense of place and this identity and this foundation that can work as a strong foundation for the young child? And we see that this can be in a very tight-knit provincial neighborhood in the city. This can be in a rural neighborhood. So where do we see this in our lives and how to reflect on our foundation? Please write in, leave us a voicemail. That's the question of the week. How is your foundation? Where are you from and where are you going? Can you answer these questions? Where are you from and where are you going? Foundation and vocation. Foundation and vocation. Again, we're trying to brainstorm biography here. We're trying to explore how do we build a better education system that, that answers some of our core needs. When we get to... Neil, in a few minutes, Neil will speak about some of the things he wasn't taught growing up. Neil is a juxtaposition to the rootedness and the foundation we see with Nicholas of the Dales and we see with our jockey, Tony. Here, the narrator will begin by playing a clip for Neil of his seven-year-old self, and then they will begin a conversation from that point. Well, we, we pretend we've got swords, and uh, yeah. we make the noise of the swords fighting, and then when somebody stabs us, we go, ah. What goes through your mind when you look at those, saw those two films when you were at seven, bright and <coughs> perky and... <coughs> I, I find it hard to believe that I was ever like that, but there's the, there's the evidence. I wonder why I was like that. I wonder what it was inside me that made me like that. And I can see even at 14 that I was beginning to get more subdued and I was putting a lot more thought into what I was saying, to a ridiculous degree. Um, and probably when I was seven, I just, I don't know, I, I lived in a wonderful world where everything was all sensation and um, I could be happy like this, I could be miserable the next minute. And I didn't have to plan for the future. I didn't have to worry about having friends and all this sort of thing. 
because everything was so mapped out for me. Uh, I don't know what sort of stumbling blocks should be put in, in a child's way uh, to get him used to, to, to living in the outside world. Because I think maybe this is, this is something that was wrong in my upbringing. I didn't have enough obstacles to get over, to, to toughen myself up against. Um, I was unprepared for things as, as they were, but looking back even now, I couldn't think of what might have been done. And I certainly wouldn't start writing educational theory about this, because I know how personal a thing it is, and it probably wouldn't work in anybody else's case. Would you like to be seven again? No, because I, I know that I had to be 21 again. Neil uh, is a fascinating character. Even as a seven-year-old, he was very clever and very independent-minded in his responses. And now we see him as a 21-year-old living in a, a, maybe a, a squat, uh, just getting by on a little bit of government assistance. Really full of so much thought as he was a young boy, but certainly somewhat crushed by adulthood and finding his place. So I'd like to play a few more minutes of his commentary because I think it's, it's really rich because he is a deep feeler and a deep thinker. And I think there's a lot of insight in his displacement. And again, if we think about foundation and vocation, where you're from and where you're going as orientation points. If we could understand how Neil from Liverpool, these things did not fall into place for him. So why did they? Was he not challenged enough as he proposes? I'm not sure. We are only getting glimpses in this documentary, but again, it is like a poem and it is good food for thought and gives us a lot of opportunity for pause and reflection. So let's hear a little more from Neil. Always think of other people first before yourself to a ridiculous um, neurotic degree, which I think affected me. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, this, this, this is, I suppose, is, is basic Christianity. Uh, the sort of, um, if, if somebody slaps you on one cheek, let them do it on the other, almost literally taken. Which, I th which gave me a few shocks when I tried to put it into practice. In what way? I don't think, well, to be quite honest, to go back to that question, I don't think um, I was really taught any sort of policy of living at all by my parents. This, this is probably their biggest mistake. That I was just left to fend for myself in a world which they seemed completely oblivious of. And uh, I found that even when I tried to discuss problems which were, which were facing me in school, um, my parents didn't seem to be aware of the nature of the problem. Were they ambitious for you? Yeah, but along set lines which they had planned. I think they've, they've often said to me that they, they had seen me even from when I was very young in a certain type of career. And possibly they'd never even thought that anything else was vaguely possible. They probably imagined I would be um, maybe a university lecturer or um, a, a bank manager or something like this. Something, uh, some kind of indoor work, which was, uh, which involved writing and reading and, um, and this sort of thing, because they didn't take account of the other side of my personality. And what sort I don't of know how many, how many, I wonder how many parents really think of their children as, as individual human beings. What are your feelings about them now, your parents? 
I'm glad they're there because if I ever become homeless again, I will be able to go back and live with them. They wouldn't object to this. Uh, I can, I'm capable of getting on with my parents perfectly well if they are, are willing to, um, to let me live uh, as another adult in their house and uh, appreciate that I'm living my own way of life and that I am living there because I can't think of anything else to do with myself. I mean, what do they think of what you're doing now? They accept it. I think now they do accept the type of person I am. And um, they, they see this as just as, as simply my attempting to, to add more experience to, to my life, which, which satisfies me. Are they worried about you? Probably, yes. What but, but no more worried now than they were when I first left the university. That was probably the time at which they were most worried. And we, we have, in fact, managed to discuss a lot of personal things which, um, which I felt at one time I'd never be able to discuss. Uh, and therefore, as I say, we, it is possible for me to live for a few weeks, even for a month or so at home, without, without there being too much um, friction. One thing that I'm thinking about a lot this week is rite of passage. And that's something that's been a passionate to me for a long time. Because I try to explore the human journey and its different stages and its different places. And that's what's, th that's what's so great about this documentary with these seven-year slices. It really encourages us to think about these different chapters of human life. And, and what are the checkpoints? What, what are we trying to develop and encourage in in young children as they grow into teens and adults? What are the foundations we can provide that will uh, nurture a healthy and happy and peaceful life? What are the ways we can structure challenges and the way our minds and bodies and spirits respond to these challenges? So that's our show for today. Please connect with us weatherthemind.org, weatherthemind on Twitter, weatherthemind on Instagram. Please share and encourage your friends and family to listen if this would resonate. We're trying to figure out what makes a good life. We're trying to figure out what, how we can build a practical education, education that would support a balanced, healthy life, that would teach emotional observation, teach physical health, teach cooking, these type of things. Practical education. And we're in it for the long haul here, figuring it out together. Thank you for listening, and uh, please keep living and learning. Keep positive, keep hydrated, get some rest. Go easy on yourself once in a while, okay? Have a great day. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.